Hello and welcome to the NFL Blitz as we review week two of the NFL season. And obviously not as good as last week for me anyway, but it was a very good week of football. Glad to have you along to talk about it. Welcome to the show today. I hope you're doing well. I hope this podcast finds you in good health as per usual. Remember to go to anchor.fm forward slash the NFL Blitz if you want to find where you can play this podcast. You can also play it there. Or you can keep doing what you're doing. You're playing a podcast right now. I don't know if you knew that. You probably knew that. And remember to go to the Sports Blitz website for writing about the NFL and other sports, including the Week 2 Power Rankings, which are already up. Just look up the Sports Blitz, or if you like typing in very long URLs, type in the sportsblitzblog.wordpress.com. Just honestly search for it. it. It's the first result that comes up when you type in the sports blitz on the major search engine that I, for some reason, I'm just not going to say. Don't know why, but I, I just don't want to. Anyway, only me on the podcast this week because of reasons. If you like my voice, then it's good news for you. If you like not hearing my voice, then why are you even listening to this podcast in the first place? Because there's a lot of my voice on it. But, just me this week, and you know what, me and you, we're going to get through this week to review together, and we're going to have a lot of fun doing it, I feel. I'm very optimistic for how this podcast is going to go. Put it this way, I'm more optimistic about how this podcast is going to go than the Vikings fans are probably about how the rest of the season is going to go, considering how things have been going. Minnesota Vikings 33, Arizona Cardinals 34. And sometimes it just feels like the Minnesota Vikings are finding new and exciting ways to lose football games. Really impressive performance for the most part against against the Cardinals. Aside who, you know, are looking quite good after the first two weeks of the season. And they get down into field goal range. Chip chop field goal chance for Greg Joseph. And he shanks it. Really, really shocking sort of miss. And it really just caps off a really bad start to the season for the Minnesota Vikings because they could have easily been 2-0 to start the season. You know, they played the Bengals last week. Darwin Cook is just to have fumbled whilst they were, I think, just on the edge of field goal range. And again, what even is field goal range for the Vikings? Am I right? And obviously the Bengals march on field and win. So the Vikings could have easily been 1-0 and then... Obviously, they get a chip-chop field goal against Cardinals to win the game. That would have made them 2-0. And to be honest, they've been playing well for the most part. But luck has not been on their side. And, I mean, I'd say I feel sorry for them. But, you know, with how the off-season went and the stuff we've learned about key members of the Vikings, I'm actually just not that sorry for them. There were some really impressive performances on the Vikings, particularly the run game did really well. Darwin Cook, 22 carries, 131 yards. Alexander Matson also, you know, he came in when required and he, he played well as well. The run game out, outran Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. But in the end, it's just... You can compliment them all you want. You can compliment KJ Osborne and Justin Jefferson, who also had really good games. But it just feels so sort of underwhelming to start a season. It doesn't feel like... This side can catch a break or this side's going to go in the right direction anytime soon. They've got the talent, clearly, and they've been playing well enough to get results. But I, I don't know. I need to see them get that victory. Maybe if they get a win, they will, you know, 
recover and, and you make your own luck in the NFL, right? And so they might all get pushing in the right direction and going in the right direction. Maybe the team atmosphere improves. It wouldn't surprise me if the team atmosphere, with what's happening, by the way, get vaccinated, is genuinely just beyond dreadful. Maybe that's contributed to it in some way, but... I don't know, right now, I I know that they're playing well, but I can't have any faith in the Minnesota Vikings whatsoever. For the Cardinals, you know, they only just scraped away with a victory here against against the Vikings side, who, yeah. But, it's another win, it's a decent win, they go 2-0 on the year, and, you know, everyone played well. Kyle Moore had a great game, 29-36, 400 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, a pass rating of 117.6, he played well, and so I've had a few really fun plays as well, I've got to say, I'm loving watching Kyle Murray so far this season, two games in, he's he's been fantastic, there was that play though, where it bounced off two players, and went into the hands of someone else, that was just fantastic, uh, the run game's complimenting him quite well, Chase Edmonds, he had a good game, eight carries for 46 yards, that's very encouraging, but more for me, you know, last year we talked about how they overly relied on DeAndre Hopkins offensively. And, you know, Kyle would just sort of throw it up with the hopes that DeAndre Hopkins would be down there somewhere ready to catch it. They're not relying on DeAndre Hopkins at all. In fact, he didn't have a particularly good game. He had four receptions, 54 yards and a touchdown. So, you know, he's contributing, but he's not the main player anymore on, on that offense. Rondale Moore had seven receptions, 114 yards, including an amazing 77-yard touchdown. Max Williams had seven receptions, 94 yards, and Christian Kirk had three carries for 65 yards, or three receptions, sorry, I should say. And also, Rondale Moore deserves a lot of credit for one of the best plays of the game right before the end of the first half. He was able to get he caught a pass from Murray and he was able to swerve around the Vikings defenders, get barely into field goal range and run out with one second to go. Bearing in mind the Cardinals didn't have any timeouts left at this point as well. And that enabled Matt Prater, or as I like to call him, God, to kick a field goal. Obviously that's three points without that play. The Cardinals don't win. And whilst, yes, they could have been better defensively and yes, they were very lucky to not have that <laughs> weird interception go against them. Kyle Murray threw a ball, and I can't remember who caught it. It might have been, it might have been Rondell Moore, I think. But he was running. If I know, it wouldn't have been an interception. It would have been a fumble recovery, wouldn't it? But he was running, and he fumbled it right immediately into the hands of a Vikings player who was just so there. We didn't even know he had the ball by the time we caught it, but. His second foot went out of bounds before, you know, he'd completed the catch, I guess. And therefore, it was ruled that it wasn't a fumble recovery. It might have been ruled an incomplete pass. I honestly can't remember. But, yeah, they were quite lucky to get away with that as well. It would have been one of the best plays that I'd ever seen, even if the defender who had made the play had no clue he had done it by the time he had done it. But, yeah, it was a really interesting game, really fun game to watch. And the Cardinals going to 2-0, looking really good on the season so far. The Minnesota Vikings are 0-2, their fourth in the NFC North. The Arizona Cardinals are 2-0, their third in the NFC West.
Let's go to another side from the NFC West and another game in which one of the sides scored 33 points. Tennessee Titans 33, Seattle Seahawks 30 after overtime. Ooh boy, what a game. Somebody in my fantasy league has Derrick Henry in their side. Obviously, that's not a surprise. He's just phenomenal. And you could see the moment on like the graft NFL fantasy provides you where he woke up and started to perform because, oh boy, what a game Derrick Henry had. 35 carries, 182 yards, three touchdowns. He pretty much single-handedly dragged the Titans to victory in this game. The Seahawks actually took quite a commanding lead early on in this game. They were 24-9 up at the break. But in the second half, they just completely stalled. They, they didn't look good at all. And Derrick Henry woke up. He got really involved in this game, obviously. You know, the pass game was fine as well. It's worth mentioning Julio Jones had a fantastic 128 receiving yards. And should have had a touchdown, which was really weirdly not given. Like, I don't I don't get it. They, they looked at it. And it was clear to me that he had both feet in bounds. But for some reason, the refs went, nah, nah, it's not a touchdown. I don't get it. For the most part, the Titans' pass game played well, though, and... The Titans got the ball back with just over four minutes remaining of the fourth quarter and were able to march down the field fantastically, mostly thanks to Derek Henry for the game-tying score to make it 30 all going into overtime. And that overtime was quite weird because <laughs> the Seahawks almost had a walk-off safety, which would have been quite funny. Or the Seahawks would have considered a walk-off safety to the Titans because they went in the wrong direction when they got the ball. And Russell Wilson was nearly sacked in his own end zone, which would have been absolutely perfect. But they punted the ball back to Tennessee. And already at that point, I think they had it on the 35-yard line, something like that. So they only needed like five yards to get into field goal range. And they got comfortably more than that. And Randy Bullock kicked a 36-yard field goal to win the game. It was a really interesting game in the end. I, I sort of thought at half time, uh, well, the Titans are really just not that good this year and they're gonna be comfortably behind come the end of the game they're not gonna have any chance of really coming back and I said last week that the Titans had to prove who they were with this game they had to show us what they could do this year and I, I said I, I didn't really expect to win for the Titans I picked the Seahawks in this game but I wanted to see them show that they can at least do something and they did. They played really, really well. Obviously, to get a win away at Seattle. And, yeah, the defence wasn't good, again. But, on the one hand, they're playing Russell Wilson. And, on the other hand, the offence did enough. And so, there really wasn't anything more you could have asked for from the Tennessee Titans. Obviously, for the Seahawks, this was a disappointing defeat. Despite Russell Wilson having a really good game with a pass rating of 128.8. Tyler Lockett, again, had an amazing game with a 63-yard touchdown as well, and 178-yard receiving. Freddie Swain played quite well as well. So, you know, there's not really much reason to panic about the Seahawks. They're still clearly a really good side, but, you know, they were unlucky. They were unlucky, and maybe their defense needs to improve, but to be honest, when you're playing Derrick Henry, there's not really much you can do. The Tennessee Titans are 1-1 one and one there, second in the AFC South. The Seattle Seahawks are 1-1, one and one, their fourth in the NFC West.
Kansas City Chiefs 35, Baltimore Ravens 36. The Sunday Night Football truly did not disappoint. And the Ravens actually got off to quite a slow start in this game. Lamar, in particular, was struggling early on. But as we will note in a bit, he did start to pick up as the game went on. The Chiefs, on the other hand, did start really well. And Patrick Mahomes played phenomenally pretty much throughout, but then again, that's not exactly a surprise. 24 for 31, 343 yards, 3 touchdowns, 1 interception, a passer rating of 131.5. The Chiefs' offense really got going quite fast in this game, and at no point did they particularly slow down, but obviously the Ravens' offense ended up being even better I mentioned Lamar got off to a slow start. They had been intercepted. I think Tyler Matthew got a touchdown at one point. Yeah, he did. And the Chiefs looked to have this game under control. But that was only really in the first quarter. And after that, the Ravens were quite strong. They still went into the final quarter of the game down 11 points. 35-24. And you'd expect the Chiefs to hold on. I know the defense isn't the best thing in the world, obviously not, though that's not because they conceded 36 points to the Baltimore Ravens, they're just not, you know, the strongest defensive unit in the league, but you expected them with Mahomes and with the ability to run the clock out, with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the backfield, that they'd be able to hold on and take the win, but Lamar Jackson and co staged a comeback later on, not with his arm, Weird that, he actually utilised his legs instead, 107 yards off 16 carries, 2 touchdowns. Tyson Williams actually played well as well, 77 yards off 13 carries, but the Ravens started to get back. And of course, at the end of the game, Lamar Jackson, he ran in himself, 1 yard, that was about with 3 minutes to go, and he did fat front flip into the end zone, that was absolutely fantastic. If it injures him, then it's not fantastic. Because that would be one of them plays where it's it's so stupid. It was that guy who was a Washington quarterback years ago, like celebrated by ramming his head into a wall when he got concussed as a result. It very much has that sort of feel to it. Hopefully it's not injured him. Of course, what's interesting, apart from the highlight moment for Lamar Jackson, is what this does for contract negotiations. He's obviously in the fourth year of his rookie contract now. Could take the fifth year option, but I very much get the sense that he wouldn't want that. And this could really make negotiations interesting, because if you think back to before the season, we were talking about whether Lamar Jackson had the ability to really be a franchise quarterback and take his side not only to the playoffs, which he obviously has done, but then to take them through the playoffs to the Super Bowl. And that was, of course, a big point of discussion in the NFL offseason. And this is the sort of game against... The reigning AFC champions that proves that he can do that. And he will probably be walking in to the GM's office going, give me the money now. I've clearly shown I've, I deserve a massive contract. Matt Lombardo on Twitter. Lamar Jackson just offered a signature performance, but some inside the league still doubt the Ravens should make him one of the highest paid quarterbacks. Quote, I'd hate to be in Eric DaCosta's position and have to pay him, unquote, an NFL personnel director tells me. So, there are still concerns about Lamar's game, and obviously, whilst he had that signature run and that big win against a big side, his passing numbers weren't great, and that's still kind of a point of contention, but 
It's going to be interesting. I want to see more how this season plays out before I'm ready to say, oh, Lamar Jackson deserves a massive, massive contract or maybe tone it down a bit. It'll be interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out, especially if he feels like the Ravens aren't giving him the time of day when it comes to contract negotiations. That would anger him and maybe motivate him to do even better. For the Chiefs, they're 1-1. One one. They could have been 0-2 if they had lost to the Browns last week, which they were close to doing. So, two close performances against two really good sides in the AFC some fans started to panic online, I'm not. I think the Chiefs are still a really good side. Patrick Mahomes showed who he is once again, and I think they'll be absolutely fine. My panic level is very much a 1 out of 5, with 1 being the lowest. I'm not doing 0 out of 5, but I'm not worried about the Chiefs. This was just a really good performance for the Ravens, and a really good game to watch too. The Kansas City Chiefs are 1-1, one one, their fourth in the AFC West. The Baltimore Ravens are 1-1, one one, their fourth in the AFC North. Los Angeles Rams 27, Indianapolis Colts 24. I did not think this game was going to be this close, especially at the start, because the Rams came out, they completely dominated on defense, they were playing phenomenally, and took an early 17-6 lead, looked like they were going, I say early, that was in the third quarter, but they looked like they were going to coast to a quite comfortable victory, and then everything started to go very slightly a lot wrong. And the turning point in this game was a screw-up on special teams, and we've already talked about a screw-up on special teams when we mentioned the Minnesota-Arizona game earlier. And this was This was another one of them. Except it was much worse. It was a Rams punt from the end zone. And Nick Scott for the Rams moved at the last second to, in his mind, get out of the way of the ball when it was going to be snapped backwards. What he instead did was not get out of the way at all. Uh, the ball hit him after it was snapped, went backwards into the end zone. Johnny Hecker tried to pick it up and make a play or do anything. But he couldn't scoop the ball up. It was instead scooped up by Ashton Doolin. And that got the that actually got the Colts the lead because they'd scored earlier on through Zach Pascal to make it 17-14. And then that touchdown happened. And suddenly the Colts were in the lead 21-17, having been 17-6 down. That was one of the worst plays on special teams I've ever seen. And it was the absolute height of a week where special teams just wasn't that good overall. And it, it was, yeah, one of the funniest plays I've ever seen. But the Rams did compose themselves after that. They went 17-21 down on that touchdown. They only gave up three points afterwards and scored ten more of their own. Matthew Stafford throwing to Cooper Cup and then Matt Gay getting a field goal late in the fourth quarter just to help take the lead and steal the win in the end. Matt Stafford played really well in his second game for the Rams, a pass rating of 101.8. Carson Wentz, man, still just looks like a liability, and maybe he needs more time with Frank Reich to turn this around, but I'm not sure. 86.4 passer rating, it just it wasn't that good. The one good player on the Colts, Michael Pittman Jr., 123 yards receiving, that was really impressive, but... Not as impressive as Cooper Cup. We mentioned he got one of the touchdowns for the Rams. And in fact, no, sorry, he got two touchdowns for the Rams. He had 163 yards receiving. The old joke last year was that, you know, Javid Goff 
overly relies on Cooper Cup, and then when he started overly relying on Robert Woods instead, we're like, oh, he's always overly relied on Robert Woods. But now Matthew Stafford is just doing the same thing because it turns out Cooper Cup is a really good wide receiver. Who could have guessed? But yeah, the Rams very easily could have lost this game after that touchdown from that very awful special teams play they could have absolutely lost it but the defense composed themselves they got a late interception on Carson Wentz that helped them seal the game Jalen Ramsey had done nothing before that interception all game you wouldn't have noticed he was there but he that's kind of what you pay them for right you pay them to make the massive plays and that was the biggest play of the day for the Los Angeles Rams, it was the one that sealed them victory. And so, you can't really complain with Ramsey only doing one thing when that thing guarantees you the win. All in all, obviously not a great performance for the Rams, but hey, it's a win. You're not going to complain too much. The Los Angeles Rams are 2-0. They're second in the NFC West. The Indianapolis Colts are 0-2. They're fourth in the AFC South. Buffalo Bills, 35. Miami Dolphins, nil. This... I described this in my notes as a snowball game because that's exactly what it wants. It, it just sort of, it started off close and it started off looking like even though the Dolphins had gone down that they would be able to claw their way back into the game but it just snowballed and snowballed and snowballed and once, bear, bear in mind, the game was 14-0 at the halftime break. The Dolphins could have easily come back into it but they just kept making mistakes and eventually the dam burst the defense who had been doing a good job against this bills side against this talented bills offense just could not hold on anymore and the dam burst and they just let the game run away from them i don't think the dolphins are this bad obviously i don't think the dolphins are this bad and i think they'll recover but it's just one of them really weird games where this sort of thing happens and you start off poorly you then can't correct problems and then the game just runs away from you for the most part if you looked at the box score and tried to guess how the game went you probably wouldn't have guessed the bills had won 35 nil josh allen didn't play well he had a pass rating of 75.2 but i guess the the key player for the buffalo bills was devin singletary 82 yards off 13 carries though one of them was a 46 yard run so that would have really helped his stats obviously to be honest i still don't really know how they won by so much i i watched a game on red zone obviously i always watch red zone on sunday and i only really saw the touchdowns and didn't really understand where they had come from the dolphins though were worse on offense than the bills were to attack a lower start of the game he left early on with an injury he'd only had four attempts at that point Jacoby Brissett playing the majority of the snaps for the Dolphins had a pass rating of 59.3 through one interception and the Dolphins also had I believe two fumbles lost which obviously doesn't help matters though if we're going to talk about defense in this game because obviously the Bills defense played well they shut out the Miami Dolphins who, you know, aren't the worst offense in the league. But if we're going to talk about a defense, we're obviously going to talk about Miami's. Xavier Howard got another interception in this game. NFL research on Twitter. Dolphins cornerback Xavier Howard has 25 takeaways, 23 interceptions, two fumble returns in his last 40 games. He joins Hall of Famer Ed Reed as the only players since at least 1991 with 25 plus takeaways in a 40 game span. Reed had multiple such overlapping streaks. 
Xavier Howard, like I said when we did our top 10 NFL players, is truly phenomenal. And he really is going to help what was a strong Miami defense last year, I assume, remain just as strong this time around. So, whilst this game was weird and whilst the result was bad, I'm not worried about the Miami Dolphins overall. They beat the Patriots last week, they should still be fine. The Buffalo Bills are 1-1, one and one, they're first in the AFC East. The Miami Dolphins are 1-1, one and one, they're third in the AFC East. Dallas Cowboys 20, Los Angeles Chargers 17. Every time they showed this game, a ref was making a stupid call for the Cowboys. I'll be honest, I think the Cowboys got more than the rub of the green in this game, and I know that's not a new concept. Wow, the Cowboys getting really favourable officiating. Colour me shocked. But I think that was the difference for me between success and failure for these sides. And, you know, the Cowboys, they played relatively well. There were so many weird calls go against the Chargers. And, of course, Tony Romo was covering this game for CBS. And he was pointing them out as well and going, nah, don't agree with that. Nope, don't agree with that. Don't agree with that. And it was frustrating more than anything else, because when a game is mostly remembered for the officiating, it has ceased to be a good game in any way, shape or form. And that's really the only thing to be said about this game. Neither of the quarterbacks performed well, by the way. Dak Prescott, 87.8 pass rating. Justin Herbert, 87.2. I'm not concerned. The Dallas defence does seem to be improving this year under Dan Quinn. And... The Chargers defense obviously has Brandon Staley, so who knows? I'm not overly worried about these two offenses. Overall, it was a bad game, and it's going it's going to be remembered for the officiating. And I don't know what what else there really is to say. Justin Herbert had 338 passing yards in this game, and as a result, he's now had 10 games with 300 plus passing yards, which is tied for most in a player's first two seasons. Justin Herbert has been an incredible quarterback. And whilst he wasn't great in this game because of the interceptions he threw, he threw two interceptions, neither of them were good. Herbert is clearly a very good quarterback, and that is why we love him here on the NFL Blitz. Frustrating for the Chargers, they will have every right to complain about the officiating, but it's just so, so unbelievably disappointing. And... The Cowboys get their first win of the season, having played well last week against the Buccaneers. The Dallas Cowboys are 1-1, one one, their third in the NFC East. The Los Angeles Chargers are 1-1, one one, their third in the AFC West. Cincinnati Bengals 17, Chicago Bears 20. Joe Burrow had gone on this incredibly long run without throwing an interception. 200 passes for Joe Burrow in the league without throwing an interception. And then he throws an interception. And then on his next pass, he throws an interception. And then on his next pass, he throws an interception. This is why the NFL and American football in general is just crazy. Because you just have these games where, having gone 200 passes without throwing an interception, he throws three back to back to back. And of course, the Bengals only lost by three points. So if he had been maybe less bad with throwing interceptions, they would have actually won this game. Joe Burrow's stats don't make for good reading overall. 66.2 pass rating, as I said, those three interceptions. 207 yards off 19 completions from 30 attempts. 
Still better than Justin Fields, who obviously replaced Andy Dalton partway through this game. Dalton was playing really well. 9 of 11, 56 yards, one touchdown, a pass rate of 118.2, but he had to go off. Justin Fields came on and ended up taking the majority of the snaps for the Bears. And of course, whilst they did win in the end, it wasn't really Justin that won them the game. 6 for 13, 60 yards, one interception, a pass rate of 27.7. Look, it's his NFL debut, and I'm not going to be overly critical as a result. The Bears won, though, and that's what matters most to them. Justin Fields will be starting on Sunday, and that means that he will be having the starting quarterback reps in practice this week. I would expect to see a much better performance as a result. And hopefully he will have a much better performance because he is definitely one of the more interesting quarterback prospects that came out of this draft. To be honest, they're all interesting. All of the, all of the five quarterbacks were taken early on. Apart from that, though, this game obviously did not involve the best of anything, really. So let's move on. These sides will probably play better later on in the season. The Cincinnati Bengals are 1-1, one and one, their third in the AFC North. The Chicago Bears are 1-1, one and one, their first in the NFC North. New England Patriots 25, New York Jets 6, and this game was an absolute car crash for Zach Wilson. Obviously, it's only his second game in the league, and like with Fields, I'm not going to be expecting much yet, but oh my god, did this go horribly. Wilson first got the ball early on in the first quarter and his second throw was intercepted. So that was great. He then got the ball back. Michael Carter ran the ball and then Zach Wilson threw another pick on his third pass. So with three passes into the game for Zach Wilson, he has thrown two interceptions. They got the ball back though and they went on a somewhat long drive. Zach Wilson threw twice without throwing an interception good and in the end they kicked a field goal from it they then got the ball back and on Zach Wilson's next throw he threw another interception so that was if I've done my maths correct and I probably haven't that was three passes or three interceptions for Zach Wilson from his first six passes great and when you start a game like that it's obviously not going to end well and to be honest it didn't really get much better for the Jets afterwards, Zach Wilson in the end did throw another interception. He only had a pass rating of 37. And it was just, it wasn't a good day for him. And the Jets fans let him know that he wasn't having a good day. They booed him heavily. And Zach Wilson's response to that was actually really professional. And this is one of the things that really stands out about him as a quarterback prospect. Is that he already, you know, shows so many good characteristics of leadership and knows how to respond and seemingly knows how to deal with the pressure of the New York fan base and of the New York Jets fan base, I should say, and the New York media. Because his response was, you know, yeah, they 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 were right to boo me. We played awfully. And we need to we need to play better in the future. He he didn't take offence to it. He didn't look hurt or sort of flustered. He just took it on the chin and kept going. And that is absolutely the best thing he could do, and it shows a lot of promise for the future, at least mentality-wise. I would assume that he's going to get better, obviously, as time goes on. Nate Burleson, who was on the NFL on CBS, said he might be seeing ghosts like an older Jets quarterback in Sam Darnold, and that that's what it felt like. But those ghosts are going to disappear with time, and Wilson will be able to process the increased speed of the NFL with time. So there's no reason to 
be overly pessimistic. Obviously, he was coming up against the rookie quarterback, and Mac Jones did do better. Not significantly better, but he did do better. 22 for 30, 186 yards, pass rating of 89, which is still below average, but obviously better than 37 and 3 interceptions for your first, like, six passes or whatever it was. I wish I'd wrote that down. Still, considering he's a rookie, and considering this is also his second game, it was really impressive. NFL research on Twitter, Patriots quarterbacks with 20-plus pass attempts and an 80-plus completion percentage in the first half of the game since 1991. Tom Brady did it seven times, was 7-0 in those games. Mac Jones did it today. End of list. Why well, did it on Sunday, but the tweet said today. So, yeah, that's actually really promising. If this was an established quarterback, I would be disappointed. But it's not. It's a guy playing in his second game in the league. And I feel very confident that Matt Jones, obviously under the tutelage of Bill Belichick, is going to continue to play really well this season. Final thing to mention before we move on. If you watch Good Morning Football, you'll know they do a segment called Angry Runs. And I know what won this week. I knew what was going to win this week. From the second I saw it, Damien Harris getting a touchdown in this game for the Patriots. And boy, was he not going to be stopped by anyone from getting that touchdown because he slammed into the D-line of the Jets, got past them, then somebody tried to tackle him, bang past him, another one, bang, third one, bang. Then he was, like, held up of one-yard line. There must have been at least four, maybe even five Jets players trying to bring him down. He was just like, nope, we're going this way and move the whole pile into the end zone. It was absolutely phenomenal to watch. Go and look that up on YouTube if you've not seen it because it was, it was brilliant and it was just like, no one is stopping me from getting this touchdown. And nobody did stop him from getting the touchdown, and nobody could have stopped him from getting the touchdown. It was it was fantastic. The New York Jets are 0-2, their fourth in the AFC East. The New England Patriots are 1-1, their second in the AFC East. I know I did them the wrong way around, but honestly, who cares? New Orleans Saints 7, Carolina Panthers 26, and all of good work that the Saints did last week has been completely obliterated. Obviously, a quite brutal, I guess, defeat to the Carolina Panthers. Of course, the star of the game for Carolina, Sam Darnold, playing really well for the most part. 26 for 38, 305 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, a pass of 80 and 99.1. Once again, showing his revival as a new member of the Carolina Panthers. ESPN stats and info on Twitter. Sam Darnold threw for 216 yards in the first half after throwing for 234 in the first half last week against the Jets. According to Elias Sports, Darnold is the first Panthers QB to throw for 200 yards in the first half in consecutive games. Ever. Not Cam Newton, not Jake Dallone, Sam Darnold. Which is a weird thing to say, but he has been playing relatively well as a member of the Panthers. He did throw his first interception for Carolina in this game. And it was one of the weirdest plays I've ever seen. Darnold was pressured from his right-hand side, and he sort of, like, just shovels it out of his hand, and it goes straight into the arms of one of the Saints players. I think it might have been Cam Jordan who recovered it, but... It, no, sorry, it was Malcolm Roach who recovered it. And it was one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen. It was just like a shovel pass. It's almost, in fact, it wasn't even like a pass. It was like it just he just handed it to him and went, here you go, take the ball. 
And of course, that's not what happened, but that's what it looks like, you know, when you're watching the V-Play. It was really, really strange. <laughs> Go and love that up if you can, because it was one of the funnier moments of the week. Apart from that, there's obviously not much to complain about when it comes to the Carolina Panthers. In particular, of course, the defense really stood out. New Orleans had six first downs. Bill Voff on Twitter, that's their fewest, since the 26th of October, 1997. Six First downs after playing so well last week against the Packers to do that is mind-boggling and shows once again the wildness that is the NFL. Yeah, wildness well to the Carolina Panthers. I don't know what's happening with the Saints. I can't explain them in the slightest and don't think I ever will be able to. The New Orleans Saints are 1-1. One and one. They're third in the NFC South. The Carolina Panthers are 2-0. and oh. They're first in the NFC South. Denver Broncos 23, Jacksonville Jaguars 13. My favourite comment from this game comes from, reportedly, from Urban Meyer, who reportedly said to Vic Fangio that playing in the NFL feels like playing Alabama every single week. And, yeah, that seems accurate. And, of course, Alabama's star this week, I mean Denver Broncos' star this week, was Teddy Bridgewater. 26 for 34, 328 yards, two touchdowns, a pass rating of 125.6. Bridgewater's made a good start to life in Denver, clearly. And, yeah, surprisingly good. I know the Carolina, I know the Jacksonville defense aren't all that but really good performance from Teddy Bridgewater and it was in the end more than enough to get them the win Trevor Lawrence only had a pass rate of 37.2 he's obviously going to struggle in his first few games in the league especially because he went to the worst team in the league and yeah there's not really much to say about this because the game went exactly as I would have expected bar Teddy Bridgewater turning into like Tom Brady didn't expect that but still, the rest of it, the rest of the game was quite normal. The Denver defense looking quite strong this season. The Jacksonville offense gonna need time. Please give James Robinson the ball more. He only had forty-seven yards today. I want to see him more involved in the game plan because he's he's really good, Urban, and he's in my fantasy team. So let me have this. <laughs> But yeah, the game was most mostly went the way I expected. Davin Ravel on Twitter, by the way, local news in Denver reporting that John Alway is interested in buying a piece of the Broncos. In 1998, Alway was offered 20% of the team for $36 million. He said no. 20% of the Broncos today would cost $750 million. Obviously, there have been the rumours about the Broncos' ownership fighting amongst each other and wanting to sell off the team. And Alway apparently would be interested in taking a piece of the team Really should have done so back in 1998. That was that was the biggest mistake of his career. And obviously, our way actually didn't make many mistakes in his career. I was, I was going to set up, set up a joke for something. And then I realised I couldn't because he was a phenomenal player. <laughs> anyway, the Denver Broncos are 2-0. and oh, They're second in the AFC West. The Jacksonville Jaguars are 0-2. Oh they're third in the AFC South. Detroit Lions 17, Green Bay Packers 35. Uh, this was another game that went exactly as we would have expected. The Lions still look relatively okay in their first two games under Dan Campbell. And it's worth pointing out, Javid Goff played reasonably well. DeAndre Swift, decent when he got carries. 
I don't know how much more you would have expected from the Lions than 17 points against a good Packers side. Aaron Rodgers, phenomenal in this game. 22 for 27, 255 yards, four touchdowns, a pass rating of 145.6. Aaron Jones also played well with 67 yards on the ground. I watched the Eli and Peyton uh, broadcast of this game and it was absolutely phenomenal. And to be honest, because the broadcast was so good, I didn't really care about what was going on on the field. But luckily, if you are in the UK, obviously Sky show the regular broadcast of Monday Night Football. But if you have Game Pass International, they put the whole Eli Peyton show up on there. So absolutely go and give that a watch. The... Green Bay Packers are 1-1, one one. they're second in the NFC North. The Detroit Lions are 0-2, they're third in the NFC North. Okay, there are four matches left. I'm going to try and do four matches, four minutes. Atlanta Falcons, 25. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 48. Surprise! Monty Kiffin was the defensive coordinator when the Buccaneers won the... Super Bowl, and he was added to the Ring of Honor on Sunday. Tony Dungy on Twitter, congratulations to Monty Kiffin. He was inducted into the Bucks Ring of Honor today. This was written on Sunday. The first assistant coach to be honored, while deserved as he was such a big part of those great Buccaneer defenses that led to their first Super Bowl. Fantastic. And of course, it is worth mentioning that in that first Super Bowl era, the Bucks defense was far better than the offense, and that's why they won. And yeah, Monty Kiffin was a massive part of that. And when he left, it was sort of the indication that the books were done for and they were going to have to rebuild. And that's exactly what it was in the end. Sunday Night Football on NBC, Matt Ryan has passed Drew Brees for the most passing yards by a player in his first 14 seasons in NFL history. Matt Ryan does not get the respect he deserves because he is on a bad Atlanta side. But to have been bad for most of his time there... Except for that one season where they were really good and made the Super Bowl and then that happened. He had a not great game, 35-46, 300 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions, pass rate of 80. But he was going up against that great Bucks defence, so who cares? Tom Brady, a pass rate of 129.2. He was not going up against a great defence, so, you know, no surprises there either. Overall, the Bucks won comfortably. I don't know what else you would have expected. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are 2-0, their first in the NFC South. The Atlanta Falcons are 0-2, their fourth in the NFC South. Did it the wrong way round again? Again, it doesn't matter. Las Vegas Raiders 26, Pittsburgh Steelers 17. And this was, this was tough to watch as a Steelers fan, to be honest, because throughout the entire game, the Steelers just kept falling down like flies. Or going down like flies, that's the saying. But yeah, multiple injuries, obviously most notably to TJ Watt. And when I saw him go down, I knew the Steelers weren't going to win this game. It wasn't just injuries that cost the Steelers though, because some of the play calling was really weird. Nick Farabar on Twitter, punting on 4th and 1 and basically surrendering the game, but running a useless mid-screen with less than 30 seconds, thus causing a valuable wide receiver to get hurt, is incredible decision-making. Ben didn't agree with a 4th and 1 call either. Go and look up his, his opinions on that, but it was just a truly frustrating game to watch. The Raiders were a good side. Derek Carr in particular played really well in this game, but the Steelers not only got injured, but they also got in their own way at points. It was it was frustrating. On the upside, Chris Boswell kicked the longest field goal ever seen at Heinz Field. Yay! 56 yards. Genuinely well done, Timbo, because that's quite impressive. The Las Vegas Raiders are 2-0, their first in the AFC West. The Pittsburgh Steelers are 1-1, one one, their second in the AFC North. 
Final game then, Houston Texans 21, Cleveland Browns 31. I think you can be annoyed with the Browns for not winning by more, but the Texans won last week, so hey, maybe they're actually good. They're not good. <laughs> Jake Trotter on Twitter, the Browns now have seven rushing touchdowns already this season, ties the franchise record for most they've had through two games to start a season. Obviously, the run game is going to be really vital for the Browns this year. Nick Chubb getting on the board with that rushing touchdown. 95 yards rushing from 11 carries as well. He played phenomenally well. Joel Herring on Twitter. Houston just declined an offsides penalty that would have given them another shot at third down. So they could have fourth and one and they punted. Do you know when people said David Cully wasn't going to be a good head coach? This is why. This is beyond stupid to me. I mean, I get the idea of wanting to go for fourth and one because your chances of converting fourth and one are relatively high, whereas you might be worried that third and six wouldn't be as good for you. I think it... Yeah, was was third? I can't remember. But anyway, I get that going for it on fourth down would work, but to, to decline the penalty, to keep it on third down, and then to punt on fourth and one is the most confusing decision I've seen all week. I did not get it. And I didn't get much of what the Houston Texans did. Tyvod Taylor played well before going off injured, though. 144.3 passer rating against his former side. 10 for 11, 125 yards, one touchdown. So that was good. Everything else wasn't. And the Browns probably should have won by more, considering they were playing the Texans. Though, I'll be honest, I don't think they'll care because they won and they shouldn't care because they won, let's face it. The Cleveland Browns are 1-1, one and one, they're first in the AFC North. The Houston Texans are 1-1, one and one, they're still first in the AFC South. That still doesn't make any sense at all. Okay, prediction scores then for Week 2. I won this week by going 12-4. and four. Josh went 11-5 and five and Will went 9-7. and seven. So overall, me and Josh both in the lead with 21 and 11. Will quite a way behind already, 17-15. and 15. In the lock battle, me and Josh were correct in locking the Cleveland Browns over the Houston Texans. Will was correct in locking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the Atlanta Falcons. So we're all 2-0 to start the season. Power rankings, which you can now read at the Sports Blitz website. First, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they've started the season 2-0 and they're the champions. I'm not going to complain with how they're doing, obviously. Second, the Buffalo Bills, after that loss in week one to the Steelers, they needed a bounce back win against a really good Dolphin side. They pummeled them into the ground. Third, the Los Angeles Rams. They've got a better record than the Bills, obviously. They could have easily been second, but... That performance in the second half against the Colts, it worried me a bit. So, as good as their start has been, I'm still only going to put them in third. Fourth, the Arizona Cardinals, quite a surprise. It could have been different, very different, if it wasn't for that kick at the end being shanked by Greg Joseph. But, they've started off the season 2-0. Kyler Murray looking fantastic. Maybe an early MVP candidate, very early MVP candidate. But the Cardinals look like one of the best sides to watch in the league. I'm really excited to watch them through the rest of the season. And fifth, the Kansas City Chiefs. It was a hard choice for me between the Ravens and Chiefs at fifth. But it was only a one-point loss for Kansas. And I still think overall they're probably the better side. So the Ravens in sixth, the Chiefs in fifth. At the other end, 28 for Minnesota Vikings. Their position also could have been really different if it wasn't for one kick at the end of their game against the Cardinals. But they're 0-2. They could have easily been 2-0, though. So there is some sympathy for them there. 
29 for New York Giants. If it wasn't for an incorrect holding call, then the Giants also would have been higher up on the list, but they've started the season 0-2 as well. Daniel Jones did play really well in that game, though, so there is reasons to be optimistic. 30th for New York Jets, the Patriots are a good side, but by the way, earlier on I made a slight mistake. Zach Wilson threw all four of his interceptions in the opening 10 passes, and that's not great. So, fingers crossed for them that Wilson improves, I very much expect he will. 31st for Jacksonville Jaguars, Irvin Meyer has said to the fans, hang in there with us, we're going to get better. God, I hope they do, because... The game against the Broncos just was not that good. And 32nd, the Atlanta Falcons. It's probably a bit harsh to be keeping them in last place, but they did lose by 23 points this week. Granted, it was against the Buccaneers, but still, despite the fact that they probably shouldn't be in 32nd based on this week's performance, I couldn't find enough reasons to lift them above 32nd, and that's why they remain in last place. Okay, it's now time to look ahead to all games in week three of the NFL season. I'll be doing all of the predictions as per usual. And when I come to one team where I think I guarantee to win, I'll be locking that team up. I can only do this once per week. And of course, the main game for me this week, I would probably say, is Los Angeles Chargers at Kansas City Chiefs. The Herbert Mahomes duel is going to be fantastic to watch over the next few seasons. These are two sides who are really, really talented. The Chargers look great both on offense and I expect on defense with Brandon Staley being the former defensive coordinator for Rams. He's going to do a great job there for them. The Chiefs, we don't need an introduction to the Chiefs. They are one of the best sides in the NFL over the last few years and are still, for me, the best side in the AFC despite the fact they've started off the season 1-1. One and one. No reason to panic. If the Chargers come into Arrowhead and get a win against this Chiefs side, it will be a real statement of intent from them. I think it's going to be an exceptional game to watch. The 2-0 Los Angeles Chargers travel to the 1-1 Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going for a Chiefs win. Next game, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Los Angeles Rams. The champions going to SoFi Stadium for the first time and it should be an absolute... Bobby Dazzler, two really good offences and two really good defences. These were two of the best defences in the league last year. I think the Rams, yeah, the Rams were first. And the Buccaneers weren't too far behind them. And the Rams obviously getting better on offence. Adding Matthew Stafford is going to be really interesting to see him duel against Tom Brady. I am so giddy for this game. I think, it's, I think when the fixtures came out, this was one of the games we looked at and went, wow, that's going to be pretty good. The 2-0 Tampa Bay Buccaneers travelling to the 2-0 Los Angeles Rams. I'm going to take a Tampa win. You can't go against Tom Brady and the champions in my mind. A battle for the AFC South Indianapolis Colts at Tennessee Titans. I, I think this will be really close. I'm hoping the Colts will improve or start to improve and show that promise they sort of had at the start of the year or, or the promise we thought they would have anyway. The Titans, meanwhile, they've got Derrick Henry. They're going to be exceptional this season. Two sides who were in the playoffs last year. Two sides who will be expecting to be in and around the playoff conversation this year. The 0-2 Indianapolis Colts, who really need a win. Travel to the 2-0 Tennessee Titans. I'm going to take a Titans win. Final game I want to talk about in depth. Um, I say in depth. It's not like these have massively been in depth, have they? Miami Dolphins at Las Vegas Raiders. Obviously, 
Two sides who were near the playoffs last year in the AFC and will be expecting to be taking that step forward this year. The Vaders have started the season fantastically 2-0. We're a bit lucky against Pittsburgh considering the injuries that the Steelers got. But Derek Carr started off the season looking really good. That offense looks as good as ever. The Dolphins, their defense have started the season strong. Though the offense let them down last week against the Buffalo Bills. It's going to be really interesting to see how to attack Valoa responds to what happened. I, I want to see a much, much better showing from the Miami offense this time around. It should be a really close game, though. The 1-1 one one Miami Dolphins travel to the 2-0 Las Vegas Raiders. I'm going to take a Raiders win. Okay, time to go through the rest of the games in chronological order. Then the 2-0 Carolina Panthers traveling to the 1-1 one one Houston Texans. Christian McCaffrey, Panthers win. <laughs> The 1-1 one one Chicago Bears travelling to the 1-1 one one Cleveland Browns. The Bears are starting Justin Fields. He will be better this week, though not significantly better against what is a good Browns defence. I'm going to take a Browns win. The 1-1 one one Washington football team travelling to the 1-1 one one Buffalo Bills. The Bills demolished the Dolphins last week, and I would say the Dolphins are a better side than Washington. I'm going to take a Bills win. The 1-1 one one Cincinnati Bengals travelling to the 1-1 one one Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers have a lot of injuries coming from last week and I would guess the Bengals are going to be a much better side this year. I'm going to take a Bengals win. The 0-2 Atlanta Falcons travelling to the 0-2 New York Giants. I pray to whatever god there is that the Giants win this game because if they don't, oh god, the negativity around the Giants is going to be dreadful. I am going to take a Giants win though. Fingers crossed for Will. And fingers crossed for me, I do like the Giants. The 1-1 New Orleans Saints and the 1-1 New England Patriots. It's at home. Matt Jones has relatively impressed in his first two games and never go against Bill Belichick. I'm going to take a Patriots win. The 2-0 Arizona Cardinals traveling to the 0-2 Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm locking Cardinals. I don't know if I've ever locked Cardinals before, but I just love their side this year. Get me an Arizona James Conner jersey, please. <laughs> no, not, not really, obviously, but yeah, the Cardinals have been great this year. They're going to probably smack the Jacksonville Jaguars. If Urban Meyer thinks that playing Denver is like playing Alabama, then one could only assume what it's going to be like going up against the Arizona Cardinals. The 1-1 one one Baltimore Ravens travelling to the 0-2 Detroit Lions. I think the Lions could maybe give the Ravens a, a relatively good game, but I am going to go with a Ravens win. By the way, Will's picked the Lions, which I find quite interesting. I mean, I wouldn't be, like, completely shocked, but, I mean, it is the Ravens. The 0-2 New York Jets travelling to the 2-0 Denver Broncos. Zach Wilson struggled against that Patriots defence last week, and Vic Fangio has a really good defence in Denver, so I am going to take a Broncos win. The 1-1 Seattle Seahawks travelling to the 0-2 Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings just need to desperately show any sign of life this week. And get a decent result against the Seahawks. Like the Titans did last week against the Seahawks. I am still going to go for a Seattle win. The Sunday Night Football. The 1-1 one one Green Bay Packers travelling to the 2-0 and oh San Francisco 49ers. Could really go either way. It's going to be a close, exciting game. But Aaron Rodgers is going to get his revenge on the 49ers for not drafting him. And then for not trading for him. Despite him being a 49ers fan. I'm going to take a Packers win. And final game is the Monday Night Football. Between the... 1-1 one one Philadelphia Eagles and the 1-1 one one Dallas Cowboys. And I just think the Cowboys are better side this year. So I'm going to take a Cowboys win. 
thank you for listening to this relatively short episode of the NFL Blitz. It's like being on URY again. It's it's going to be under an hour. That's that's quite shocking. But thank you for listening to this episode of the NFL Blitz. I hope you've enjoyed just listening to my voice. Maybe that will change in the future. Hopefully it will change in the future. We'll be back next week to discuss all things from week three of the NFL season. Until then, I've been Alex Woodward and don't just have a good week. Like the best play in NFL history, have an immaculate one. Goodbye.